It's good to see everybody. So I was recently riding with a friend of mine. When we were coming to a red light, he shoots right through it. And I asked, why'd you do that? Tells me that's how his brother drives. We come to another red light, and he shoots right through it. I said, why'd you do that? I said, because that's how my brother drives. Come to a green light, and he slams on the brakes. Heart goes up into my throat, and I shouted at him, why did you do that? He replied, well, you never know when my brother's going to be coming the other way. All right, we're going to start with our question today. Um, and uh, what is one way God has used the lighthouse to bring something positive into your life? So occasionally we will ask a question that uh, kind of gives opportunity to share a little bit about um, Lighthouse Church, more specifically what God is doing here. Um, and I, I want to make clear that we're not just trying to feel good about ourselves, but maybe communicate to others uh, some of the blessings that have come in uh, engaging in this community. And if you'd like to answer, uh, you get these guys' attention. They will bring some microphones around. You stand up, speak directly in the mic, give us a brief answer. And who would be willing to get us started? What is one way God has used the lighthouse to bring something positive into your life? Hello, everybody. Um, what a great question. Um, it brought my mom and I to church. We've never been to church in our whole lives, uh, come, except for a couple years ago when we started coming here. Got baptized here with Dale. Uh, at that time, though, I had one foot in the boat, like I was telling Dale, and I wasn't taking everything too serious. And after some life, some pretty awful things happened, I, um, I, this place is just so amazing to me. I, I see it with different eyes now. I'm not clogged up with all the evil stuff going on out there. And I come in here, and it's just, I feel the Holy Spirit every day. Every day I walk out of here, it's like I got goosebumps in, the, in my body. And I just want to say thank you, Dale. Thank you, staff. Everybody for coming. Mark, thank you, buddy. So thank you, guys. Thanks, Jason. Hi, everyone. I'm Misty. Um, so um, uh, the, fam the people in here becoming my family. Um, Help me get sober, um, help me stay sober, and think of life all lovely and grand. And then uh, my mental health thing that I've been going through lately, um, you guys have been really helping me with that too, being calm and patient. So, thanks, guys. Thanks, Misty. Who else would be willing to share today? Hey, everybody, I'm Greg. Uh, I guess for me, it's... Uh, God has helped me with the lighthouse, got me coming back to church, and, and like Dale mentioned, uh, I, uh, got, I got baptized uh, a few years ago when I started coming back, and, and uh, brought me closer to a bunch of new friends, and, and it's just been a positive impact on my life by, you know, coming and uh, went through some group studies through here and stuff, and, you know, got to know a bunch of people, and it's just been awesome. Yeah, thanks, Greg, friend. All right. Anybody else willing to sh share a little bit? 
Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie. Um, I think, well, something that positive that God's brought into my life through Lighthouse is um, just learning to love and respect myself. Huh. Uh, thanks, Jamie. <clears throat> All right. Anybody else? Got time for one or two more? Anybody else? We're all on this side today. All right. Well, I'm Galen. Um, I recently went through a fairly major change in my life, and Lighthouse has been exactly what its name is, a beacon of light in my life uh, when my life was really dark for a while. Uh, Thanks, Galen. So I want to give one more chance if there's anybody on this side of the room who wants to answer. (laughs) All right, anybody else going once? Oh, one more. All right. Um, We'll wrap up with Jessica here. Good morning, everybody. Um, First thing I did yesterday when I came to Fargo was came to an NA meeting at Lighthouse Church. And um, I just love how they have... um, good support system for addicts and alcoholics and um, celebrate recovery, AA meetings. Um, I used to attend depression, anxiety support groups, and it's just amazing, and I just admire everything that you're doing, Pastor Dale. Thanks, my dear. It's good to see you. Has moved away, but back in town this weekend, so we're glad you're here. So uh, last Sunday, uh, we started working our way through the New Testament book or letter, 1 John. And uh, last week, if you were here, we spent a fair amount of time uh, talking about a common theme in the writings of John in the New Testament, that is, that God is light. And I want to um, begin with a verse that we finished with last week, uh, and then we're going to move forward. So grab a Bible and turn to 1 John chapter 1. There should be some page numbers up on the screen, and uh, you're welcome to use one of the church Bibles that uh, should be around you, um, if you would like. And I want to begin by reading um, verse 7. And um, then I want to encourage you to hold on to the Bible and keep it open because we're going to move further uh, into chapter 2 even today. Um, Let me just say that um, I don't know if there's anybody old enough or who used to listen to contemporary Christian music, but um, DC Talk had one of my all-time favorite Christian worship songs or Christian music songs based on this verse. Anybody here? Galen, that's that it? The only, just, okay. All right. Desiree, you're not old enough to remember that. All right. So uh, you'll have to look it up. Um, In the Light is the night title of the song, I believe. Um, verse 7. If we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So Lighthouse Church that we were just talking about uh, will be 10 years old this fall. And uh, we're planning, by the way, a big celebration for the fall, for September. Um, We actually started uh, Lighthouse Church on the deck of my home uh, in the summer 10 years ago. Uh, Beth and I had a Bible study with some friends on Wednesday evenings. 
And um, honestly, I was in a period of my life where I was trying to get and stay sober. And I had um, lots to learn. Uh, Still do, um, honestly. Um, And I was so grateful for friends who were willing to fellowship uh, with us um, and study the Bible. Uh, The thing is, is my alcoholism had brought me to um, a pretty depressing and dark place in life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Um, The AA Big Book um, that I've spent a little time in describes it as self-will run riot. And I'd like to say that it turned me into something that I wasn't. But I know that that's not really true. What my alcoholism revealed was a part of me that has and always will be part of me. That is my sinful self. And not only did it reveal itself to me, but it revealed itself to far too many people in my life. For example, for example, I generally pride myself in being a pretty honest person. I'm in part shocked at how dishonest and deceptive I could be when I was engaged in my addiction. But not really. Um, I'd love to blame it on the alcoholism, but the truth is, Um, It is part of who I am. I now believe I wanted to start that Bible study and possibly Lighthouse, um, not just for some fellowship, but because I did want to be in the light. Um, And when you are in a dark place, um, it can be pretty lonely and devastating. When we picked the name Lighthouse for this church, uh, you you can imagine we were very, very intentional and spent a little time in naming it. Uh, Because um, if you have spent a little time in the darkness, um, we know that a lighthouse can communicate hope. We heard it earlier, right? And so um, this verse has just become one of my favorite Bible verses. If we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. Can we just say that if we are living in darkness, then those things start to go away. Uh, If we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Uh, Jesus is a light that shines in the darkness. Um, so to even say that, though, I want to, I want to share something with you that, that might sound odd, especially if, if you've not been through maybe some of the life experience others here have. Um, one of the great gifts of recovery for me has been that it has forced me and is still forcing me to wrestle with my own sinful nature. 
um, the dark part of who I am. Um, I went to a, a Lutheran seminary like a hundred years ago and uh, spent a lot of time studying Martin Luther and his teachings. And one of Martin Luther's core doctrines um, 500 years ago was that we are simultaneously, in other words, at the same time, a saint and a sinner. And um, it's, it sounds like it's, that's almost impossible. Like, you know, how can you be a saint or righteous, but at the same time, a sinful person? And what he taught and what, what, what I believe, what the New Testament teaches, is that true spiritual growth in Jesus is the acceptance that I am righteous and that I am a saint, um, not because of my own efforts or righteousness, but because I have accepted what Jesus has done for me on the cross. So I want you to hear that clearly. If you believe in Jesus, if you've trusted your life to Jesus, you are a saint. Turn and tell someone, I'm a saint. <laughs> Literally, what, what that says is that um, I am righteous, or you are righteous, not based upon what you've done for heaven's sake, but based upon what Jesus has done for you and for me on the cross. That's pretty powerful. 100% saint. But at the same time, 100% a sinner. Um, and simultaneously, you and I still struggle with sin. I'm still capable of doing bad and selfish things. Sometimes I surprise myself with the dark thoughts and decisions that I can make. Sometimes I'm surprised. Sometimes people in my life are surprised. But here's the deal, God's not. God's not. God's not surprised by the messiness of your life. He knows about the darkness that you have either walked through or you are in. Um, and he loves you right in that dark spot. But also invites you and me to come into the light. An invitation that stands every day. So um, John, you know, we're, we read verse 7, kind of ended last week's section uh, with that verse. And then in verse 8, uh, he goes on to talk a little bit about what it means to be in the light. So um, grab that Bible again, and I want to read verse 8. John says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Um, so that's kind of an important verse. You know, if we are claiming that we aren't sinners, that we're not 100% sinners at the same time, then, then we're kind of fooling ourselves. Um, and so here's the first thing that I want you to know um, from a kind of a light standpoint. We're kind of starting with the difficult things today. Um, if uh, you are in the light, um, the light of Jesus will expose your sin. The light of Jesus exposes our sinfulness. Um, I, um, um, I was thinking this week um, when I was preparing about how 
Um, when, I, when I go somewhere and I stay in a motel room, um, Beth and I will stay in a motel room, and I'm not going to speak for her, but I can tell you that we've both noticed this. So um, if you've been in a motel room, it seems like every motel room that we've been in, um, the lights and the mirror in the bathroom distort everything about me. Like I look in the mirror in a motel bathroom, and it's like, I am sure that my hair is not that gray. Like, what are they doing in motel bathroom lights and mirrors to make everything look gray? And, and if that was it, it would, be, it would be, you know, enough. But it seems like it also highlights every flaw on me. Like I see every wrinkle and every blemish. Am I the only one who's ever noticed that? Um, and... And it's like, you know, what's up with that? Can't you put dimmer light in a motel bathroom? If you stand in the light of Jesus, it's going to first expose your flaws and your sin. Um, John says, if you claim you have no sin... And um, I kind of asked myself the question, well, why would, why would somebody claim that they have no sin? Um, well, I, I did come up with a few reasons. I'm going to share them with you quick, because uh, one of them might be you. Um, one of the reasons we might claim we have no sin is because we want to avoid responsibility. Anybody here ever done that? <clears throat> Point your finger at somebody else, huh? You know, um, blame somebody else, or maybe it's like, you know, the d- things I'm doing, they're in, they're in my genes, you know, it's hereditary, and, uh, or I have, you know, I have PTSD, or um, I struggle with addiction, and, you know, it's a disease, you know, and so it's not my fault. Um, we can really um, come up with all sorts of reasons to avoid this idea that, you know what, no, I'm just pretty capable of doing some dark, bad things. And we would really rather avoid the responsibility. Here's the problem. Um, Avoiding responsibility also shields us from God's forgiveness and grace as well as recovery. Finding recovery begins with accepting responsibility. Um, Second reason I thought of, um, you may claim that you have no sin because you don't really think you have any. Now, there might be a couple of things going on there. One, it could be that maybe you feel like you've reached this level of righteousness that nobody else I've ever met has met. Um, but um, good for you, I guess, huh? If that's you, I would, I would tell you that, um, you know, the, the sin that Jesus had the biggest issue with was, was self-righteousness and pride. Um, because it was the sin of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But I think more often... We just kind of have denial, um, and um, we don't like the term sin, you know. Um, and so let me, let me do a little teaching. I've shared this before, but the, the Greek word for sin is actually a word, um, hamartia. And literally, in its purest definition, what hamartia means is you're missing the target. So there's a target you're shooting at, and you're missing it. Anybody here kind of feel like you fit that category some days, huh? Um, so, you know, that's really what sin is. Like, there's a kind of a target in your life. We let God in this place kind of define that target. 
um, defines it probably by the righteousness that he gives to us. And boy, I miss that target every day. I mean, it's only 11.30 in the morning and I've already missed it several times today. Um, usually, at Lighthouse, I don't have to convince people um, you know, about this idea because we know, you know, if I've met a group of people, it's this group of people, we get it that um, there have been times we've missed the target in life. Amen? So a third reason, um, and somebody here might be in this category, why people might deny that they have sin, um, is that it's just too blame hard to look at yourself. I get that. I was there once. It's just too hard to look in the mirror. And, uh, you know, if that is you, I just want you to know that you've come to the right place today uh, because there is hope. Um, So, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, Paul goes on. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So I want to spend the next uh, few minutes together talking about confession. Yay! That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Um, First thing that I want you to know is that your confession does not somehow do something for God. It's not like it kind of gives him pleasure or makes him feel good. Um, we're going to come back to that. But um, John, John wants us to confess. John says that we should confess our sin, not because it does something for God, but because it does something to us. Here's the deal. God already knows, right? So God already knows. Um, when we confess, we open ourselves up to the freedom of God's grace, and the weight of our sin is lifted somehow. And uh, my guess is there's lots of you who've experienced some of that in your journey, especially if you are in recovery. Um, What happens is when we confess to God, God places our sin on the cross, and, uh, and there's some freedom that comes in that. In the recovery programs that many of us work, Uh, It tells us to confess to God, to ourselves, which is not always easy either, um, and to another human being, maybe the most difficult one. And um, if you've you've done that, especially if you've worked through steps four and five uh, with any seriousness, chances are uh, you felt a little bit of that that sense of, of lifting that takes place when you begin to talk about things. It's like stuff loses its power when we talk about that. And, and it can even, you know, happen with a therapist or, or um, you know, other, other people in our lives. Not necessarily, you don't necessarily have to be in recovery for this. I want to share with you something that um, I share every once in a while about confession, especially to other people. Shared it actually at, uh, light, at uh, Celebrate Recovery just a um, month or two ago. And to me, it's one of the, kind of the, the important um, things to kind of teach and remind us of because um, I think sometimes we get a little bit skewed in our perceptions of, of what is necessary in regards to 
um, confessing and how do, how do I approach that? And what I like to, what I like to do is I like to um, draw um, what looks like a triangle, but I like to consider it a piece of pizza for obvious reasons. And, um, and what I like to say is that this, this to me, um, in some of my kind of learning and, and growth, has come to represent what sociologists will sometimes call a third place. That in our lives, people naturally are, are looking for a third place. And they, they would say that your first place is your home, your second place is maybe your job, um, if you're employed outside of the home. Um, but that people naturally want a third place. To give you a kind of a picture of what a third place is, um, if you're a little bit older like me, you maybe grew up watching the sitcom Cheers. Anybody here? And, uh, of course, we know that Cheers was a bar, um, but it was really a third place because you even learned right from the beginning of the show each week that when you go there, everybody knows your name. Yeah, okay, you with me? So a third place, that, that life community is what we're going to call it. Lighthouse Church, if you're new here, is kind of vowing to become that, that third place, that, that life community where a lot of your life and support kind of centers. Some of you, it might be in recovery groups um, or it might be, you know, somewhere else. But um, I like to think that the, the picture of the church that the New Testament gives is this is going to be our kind of our third place. And here's the thing. Um, I, I, like to, I like to use this in regards to confession by saying that this is the widest um, avenue of our church. It's like the most people. It's everybody together. Like if our whole church were together, um, that's this top line. And here, here's the deal. Um, sometimes I find that people um, tend to want to share way too much with too many people. And so um, they will come into the kind of the big group and they will try to just kind of dump everything that, you know, they've been doing or going through. And um, you will have noticed, for example, today, the question was not, um, tell us the deepest and darkest sin that you have ever committed, one that you've not been willing to talk to anybody else about. That wasn't the question today. Why? Because we don't all need to know. We don't all need to know. Um, you know, and so, you know, the way I often would describe that is that I, you know, you need to know perhaps that, um, at least in my life, that I'm an alcoholic. That says volumes to many of you, right? Um, but, but maybe don't need to know a lot more than that. Um, somewhere as the, as the triangle goes to its point, uh, down in here, um, there's kind of the necessity to have a group of people that you really, you would, you would say, these people know more about me. Uh, there's more connection, more rootedness. Jesus had 12. It says in the New Testament that when he was traveling around, it seemed like there were like 500 and some people following around with him. But Jesus had 12. I can bet you that he told those 12 things he didn't tell all 500, Right? And so, you know, some of you might have a home meeting or a group, but we all, we all benefit by having a group of people where there's a deeper trust and a deeper openness in sharing, right? Um, so um, lots of us here in this place are pretty good at this one. Um, we're not always good at this one or at this one. 
And that is that, that in our lives, um, every one of us needs one or two or even three people that we, can, that we can share pretty much anything with. And um, those are people that are not going to judge us. Uh, they're going to walk with us and encourage us and help us um, and support us. Um, and, I mean, it can be, it can be a therapist. Um, it could be a sponsor. It can be, you know, people that you've just grown in touch with. But um, we, all, we all need these people. Can I just tell you that this has been the hardest part of my journey? I didn't grow up. I grew up being told you don't tell people stuff that's going on in your life. So this one's been the hardest one for me. And um, if, if that's a hard one for you, um, like me, you probably need to kind of decide to force yourself uh, to work on it. And um, you will find that there is some fruit that comes from it. And so, um, you know, confession uh, in our recovery programs, if you are working a recovery program, is to God, and we've kind of talked about that, we're going to talk more, uh, to ourselves and to someone that we trust. Uh, So I want to read um, verse 9 one more time. If we confess our sins to him, to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. I just want to kind of unpack that really quick. So it says that if we confess to God, God forgives um, what that l- literally means is that God lets go of it. It's kind of what it literally means. Like, um, okay, so um, I let go of it. It's like he almost chooses to forget it. Um, like I'm not going to remember it anymore. That's pretty profound when you think about it. Then it says that he cleanses us from our sin. Um, That's something different. It's not forgive. He cleanses us from our sin. He says that in both verse 7 and verse 9. And the Greek word there is katharazine. And what it literally means is to purify or to cleanse. Um, And and by cleansing, what it does is it removes the residual effects. So like you you spill something um, at your home and you can wipe it up. Or you can use like a disinfecting cleaner and it kind of takes away any of the stain or uh, the ongoing, you know, residual effects that it might have there. That is really profound. I want you to think about that for a second. Literally, what it means is that God removes the stain or the scars of our sin, at least as far as he is concerned. He removes the consequences that linger on. He removes the consequences that linger on when we confess to him. Spiritually, confession to God has both a past and a future implication. Like we confess and we can now let it go and move on and change. Both your sin in the past and your future with God are secure in God's hands. It's pretty profound. Now, one of the things that I I really wanted you to know, I think it's the biggest mistake that people make in regards to confession um, and forgiveness with God. We tend to think that it's a transaction that we make with God. Um, And so I I just want to be really clear about this. Confession and forgiveness are not transactional. 
In other words, um, we kind of get this idea that, well, I give God this, and then he gives me something back. That's not what confession and forgiveness is, okay? So confession and forgiveness are not transactional. Confession and forgiveness are transformational. And so what I, what I mean by that is that it's not like there's this exchange that takes place as much as it's the process and the relationship and the experience with God where it literally the process itself brings change. With me? I mean, I know this day, this moment, that God will forgive my sins. So I don't need to kind of learn that again tomorrow but I need to confess again because the transformation is, you know, ongoing. You with me? And so, um, you know, it's, it's not so much that, you know, you have to do this and then God will give you something in return. It's more like this process, this thing that the Bible describes as a gift to us by which God will transform our lives and our hearts to bring newness into us. All right, so we're going to read a few verses of chapter 2 and then we're going to wrap up. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Um, John makes sure um, next that we don't think that our sin doesn't matter. Um, our sin matters a great deal. We know that there are always consequences to our sin, right? Jesus says, um, or the Bible, John says here that Jesus is our advocate with our Father in heaven. And when I first read that, I thought, well, does that mean he's like my lawyer with God? And uh, that's not quite, the, not quite the case. It's not like he kind of pleads, you know, um, as a lawyer would um, for, for his client. Um, so to look up the Greek word, uh, the word is actually parakletos. Uh, it's the same word that Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit later in John's literature and his gospel. And, and parakletos means he's our comforter and our helper and our counselor and he's one who is called to be by my side. He's one who stands by me. And as I stand before God um, with Jesus by my side, um, here's the deal. What, what God sees is he sees not your sin, but he sees Jesus and his sacrifice for you. He sees what Jesus has done on the cross for you, simultaneously saint and sinner. His sacrifice has taken away the stain of your sin, and he has made you clean. In Jesus, you can be confident of his grace and forgiveness. Verse 3, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone, commands, uh, if someone claims, I know God, but I don't obey his commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know that we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And so um, we're going to pick up there next week, but what, what John is going to do now is he's going to go on to describe a life in Christ. 
And in uh, verse 6, um, I love verse 6, he says that, you know, here's how you live in the, in the light of Jesus. Um, you live like Jesus lived. You know, I tell you all the time, best way to tell if you are growing spiritually, does your life look more like Jesus? Do you love more like Jesus? You know, do you act more like Jesus? And, and um, what he says is that if you want to live in the light, fall in love with Jesus. Get to know Jesus and let him guide you. He's right beside you, right? He's right beside you. And as we walk in the light, you know, we will grow more and more like Jesus. But um, here's the deal. Um, I would still stay humble. I would still stay humble. Uh, because um, you're going to still miss the target now and then and need to confess. Um, but a new light awaits us if we go into the light. Um, I am so grateful uh, for Lighthouse Church. Go back to where we started. Um, so one of the, one of the I'm going to give you a glimpse into my, how my brain works. So sometimes in my more egotistical um, moments, I, I tend to think that, you know, man, God brought me through my alcoholism and my dark journey so that I could help all of you. And in my honest moments, I think maybe God led us here to help me. Because um, I'm still in the process just like you. Um, I'm still self-absorbed. I'm still a work in progress. But I do find I'm more teachable today than I ever have been. I think that's what God's like, God likes. Be, be teachable. Confession will be necessary the rest of my life, I'm afraid. And yours too. But God is good. And he is gracious. And he loves you so much. Even in your mess. Nothing that you do today will make God love you more than he did yesterday. Nothing you do today will make him love you more tomorrow. And so come into the light. Amen.